0: Hey Jessica are you ready to play a game? I guess so. (laughs) I'm gonna give you three quotes and you're gonna try to guess what movie I'm gonna be talking about in today's episode. Are you ready? Yes. We're gonna see if it takes you all three quotes. You might get it before three is done but I believe in you. Alright here we go. Let me pull it up. Number one. You think you're hot stuff because you went to a dance. Dream on. No one wants to date you because you're a dog. A dog. A dog. Mm. and this is an 80s kids movie I'm not sure alright quote number two you have the power to make anything you want happen the power you have the power to make anything you want happen teen witch correct I just have to say the third quote too because it's a Roger a loved one joystick dong zipper lizard tally whacker, trouser sneaker Yes. congratulations thank you for playing along anytime <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back to a bit of fun with Emily. It's me, your host, Emily. I am glad you're here. It's time for another movie review. This time we're exploring the jewel that is known as Teen Witch. While it might have been a box office flop, it lives on as a stunning 80s masterpiece in the hearts of many, hundreds, thousands even, maybe, or at least in me, which just proves that I'm easily amused. Before we get into our spoiler-filled summary, though, let's check out the lazy internet research. So uh, this was really, really lazy research because Mental Floss provided about 99% of the interesting factoids. That's all right. You can check out the article. I'll make sure to link that in the show notes. But let's get started. So the movie was originally pitched as a female version of Teen Wolf, the 1985 phenom starring Michael J. Fox. Um, It had the similarity of a young girl who discovers that she has a, a paranormal ability, much like poor Michael J. Fox turning into a wolf Um, and then how she goes through high school and how that affects her Um, but it it, it, finally as they worked on the movie more it became its own kind of plot if you want to call it a plot there was a little bit of plot there. The budget of the movie was 2.5 million this is the worst fact guys but it only made (laughs) $3,875 during its opening weekend and a grand total of $27,843 total dollars at the box office. It didn't gain popularity until it started airing on TV. So you can see reruns of this on USA or TBS. Uh, So it's, it's out there now, and that's when it really started to become popular. The creepy Victorian house that Zelda Rubenstein, as... Madam Serena calls home in Teen Witch is the same Los Angeles abode where Michael Jackson turned into a werewolf in the video for Thriller. That's kind of interesting. Louise gets the guy at the end of the movie, but in real life, high school stud Brad, who was not a teenager, ended up with Louise's teen rival, Randa. They started dating while the movie was filming, and they got married shortly after the movie wrapped. And they're still together, at least according to Mental Floss a few years ago. If you're lucky, you might get to catch a teen witch sing-along somewhere in the country. See, other people love it, too. It turns out they are a really popular thing, and I would just love, love to be at one of them. That would have to be a good time. Hearing a lot of just ridiculous white people do the rap. Oh, my goodness, yes. And, of course, Robin Lively, who plays Louise, the star of the show, is Blake Lively's sister. And she, her sister just... Blake loves this movie. And so she actually, Robin recreated the final dance scene in the movie for Blake at her wedding to Ryan Reynolds. That's a weird gift, but I kind of love it. But that's enough of the lazy internet research. Let's just dive into our spoiler filled walkthrough of the movie. There's nothing better a dream sequence to kick off a movie. And even better, a dream sequence complete with a dance sequence. There's a girl on a rooftop in a tight red dress spinning in circles with a very strong breeze catching her vibrant red hair and a random scarf she's holding. Then a door opens, And this guy comes in, this dude comes in, he's like strutting across the expanse towards her. Nobody's talking, of course, because it's in a dream. There's just a lot of slow motion walking and seductive glances and coyness as the girl plays hard to get. Any sane person would immediately realize this is the best movie ever. And we haven't even gotten out of the opening credits. So our perceived heroine, still in the dream sequence, climbs up a wall in stilettos. She's very talented. She turns around and glances adoringly down at this handsome fella who raises his hands like he's going to catch her, which she's at a height. I, I feel like this is a, just a poor life choice all the way around. And then she just, like, leans forward, confident First, She's just going to, like, fall into his harms. But then she gets this look of abject horror- that crosses her face and and she wakes up. So dream is done. Side note, I have never had a dream like that. And I've never had some and I've had some crazy dreams. I can never run in a dream. But I've also never strutted around a rooftop in slow motion. Maybe I need to think of I, I tend to dream weird things if I think about things too much during the day. So I just need to think about this some more and see if I can make this happen. Anywho, The fashionable girl in the dream wakes up with a start, her alarm going off, her hair all of frizz. She's wearing a horrible nightgown, and her brother is hiding under her bed, bright and early one morning, eating a cake. Have I mentioned this is the best movie ever? So they argue, as siblings do, but I feel for this poor girl, whose name is Louise, because her brother Richie might just be the weirdest human to ever grace the silver screen. He's been reading her diary again, apparently, and she has very strong feelings for Brad. He he starts to reenact a scene that of something he read in the in the diary. And then all of a sudden, Mom shows up at the door to let her know breakfast is ready and to get a move on. This is a very 80s movie in that way. Everybody's always eating breakfast in the morning. We always grabbed a bowl of cereal as we kind of sat and watched tv it wasn't a it wasn't a family thing at least in my house which was fine because i don't know if we were all or any of us were morning people but it's time for school and louise heads outside in an oversized wool trench coat and grabs her bike yes oversized wool trench coat nobody else is wearing big thick coats so it does not appear That it is winter time, so why she's wearing that big thing, I don't know. And she lives in a pretty nice neighborhood. Across the street is a mansion where the most popular girl in school lives, named Randa. Louisa's best friend, Polly, she rolls up on her bike as Brad, popular girl's boyfriend, and Louisa's fantasy boy drives up in a convertible, because everyone in the 80s owns a convertible. And the most popular kids in school own the most expensive ones, Always. I gratefully drove a minivan and a sedan the size of a boat my senior year. Needless to say, I had zero chance of winning prom queen, according to 80s movies. And now for the high school montage, where we get to see the beauty of the teenage hierarchy. Every teen movie where school is involved has one, but this one is special. This one includes the most awkward rapping by ridiculous white dudes with giant boom boxes. It's looking like Louise belongs to the nerd. She's been voted captain of the Latin Club and has drawn the attention of kids who most definitely hang out in the AV room. So now, all of a sudden, we're flashing the English class with an elderly teacher who hates teenagers and should have probably retired a good 10 years earlier, who commits the cardinal sin of purposefully attempting to embarrass them. His name's Mr. Weaver. He would totes be fired on the spot for pulling those shenanigans today. And poor Louise accidentally turns in a page from her diary that her brother had been reading. She she had grabbed it out of Richie's hand and stuck it into her binder. And as she needed to turn in a paper, she accidentally grabbed that one. And this teacher, he begins reading it aloud. So, of course, she is horrified. Any sane human would be horrified. And she runs out of the room and hides in the bathroom because that is where everyone hides in high school. They hide in the bathroom. Polly, she attempts to cheer her up a bit. And then there's an abrupt, another transition. There's a lot of those, just really abrupt transitions, a lot of just independent scenes to gym class and really our second musical number because of the rapping. So why not? Why why not have a musical number in in the locker room? I mean, Louise just can't catch a break, and shares multiple classes with all of these popular kids, apparently, too. This has to be a really small school because all the um, popular girls are in the locker room. Uh, Maybe it's just really small. The girls look like they're ready for a workout video as they start to sing I Like Boys as they get ready for class. No one had heard this song before but then they immediately start to sing it and everyone can do the dance. There's just a lot of synchronized dancing in the locker room which is exactly what this movie needs all the time. They all know the moves except for Louise who just watches enviously but the best part is that the super popular girl Randa, Brad's girlfriend, has less rhythm than I do, which I have zero, and looks far more ridiculous than anybody else in the room, and so that's that's kind of satisfying. That doesn't last long at all, though, be- before Louise is back in her trench coat spying on a shirtless Brad who, yes, he's sweating. Everybody else is wearing shorts. Why she has the trench coat on, I don't know. But Brad's out there. Apparently he's on the football team and he's throwing a football through an old tire and doing push-ups by himself on the field. I mean, he's like a really dedicated player. And then he looks her way, but she does a horrible job of hiding in the shadows. I mean, it's very clear. You could see her. She didn't step out of the way at all. And then we have another really strange transition, and in a blink, it's now time for play auditions. Brad is fully clothed again, he's showered, he he looks very dashing, and the theater teacher calls the finalists, calls them finalists, which is, kind of weird I, I don't I've never been to an audition and it's not like I've been to a lot I was in a couple plays in high school we can talk about that sometime if you want uh, but I was never called a finalist for anything maybe because I wasn't really considered any for anything I just really wanted to be in the background but the finalist for this particular audition is Brad and Louise in a romantic scene it's undetermined how Brad is going to have time to be in the play when he's QB1 I've been watching a lot of Friday Night Lights on Netflix and the linguist stick in my head. No idea they called them QB1s. So this movie would be even more amazing if Tim Riggins made an appearance. I'm getting distracted again. Brad is horrible. He's not a great actor. Louise isn't bad. I mean, she does okay. She gets to sit on his lap and they very nearly kiss. So from Louise's perspective, it has to feel like win. But alas, our little nerd girl gets looked over for a popular girl and is relegated to what the theater teacher calls assistant costume mistress, which is just the worst name for a theater position for a high schooler. They could have called them something else. Costume queen? I don't know. Make it sound a little cooler than mistress. So, dejected, Louise is riding her bike home alone at night it seems very late at night she has changed her clothes she's no longer wearing the angle length skirt she now has sweatpants on but she's still wearing don't worry she's still wearing her big wool trench coat um she has a headlight on her bike not a helmet so she only sort of believes in safety first and that's just one heck of a long day at school Because it's like pitch black outside. I don't know how long she's been there. Meanwhile, Brad and his popular girlfriend, Randa, are right behind her in the convertible, making out while driving, which they don't believe in safety first either. And they end up running Louise off the road. So she crashes into a bush but is otherwise unharmed. Brad, being kind of a stand-up guy, stops the car and rushes to her side. He could have kept driving, but he didn't. Good guy, Brad. He tries to help her pull the bike out of the shrubbery and offers to give her a ride home, but Louise has some pride issues and angrily turns on him and makes him leave. Like, no, just go. I'm fine. I'm fine. And Miranda is no help just sitting in the car. She could care less that any of that had happened. Unfortunately for Louise, she's got a flat tire and now has to walk her bike back home. So, not only is it evening, but just to throw one more obstacle at her, she's had a really bad day. Her bike has a flat tire. It's really dark outside. Now there's some freak thunder and lightning she has to contend with. So, she comes across a mysterious payphone that appears to be out in the middle of nowhere. But it's broke, as almost all payphones always are in 80s movies. And then she spots a really creepy house across the street that, you know, looks like a viable option for assistance. So she, she walks up to it and there's a creaky sign hanging at the sidewalk that reads Madam Serena. So one can assume this clairvoyant knew she was coming, right? So Louise lets herself into the house, you know, just lets herself in and is promptly introduced to Madame Serena herself, a tiny woman with an unbelievable accent and a big personality. The median cons are out of $6 for a palm reading. Something catches Serena's eye as she's making up gibberish about Louise's palm, and she immediately drops the act. The accent is gone. You know, just, hey, I'm a normal person. Turns out Louise is, quote, one of them. What whatever that really means. She's apparently a witch and she's about to receive her powers on her 16th birthday. No idea she was a witch. We'll go back to that in a minute. <laughs> so Louise gets freaked out and leaves, as she should. I mean, she shouldn't have gone up there in the first place. She should have just kept walking her bike, maybe a little fast. She actually should have accepted the ride from Brad. She could have spent some more quality time with Brad, but no, she had to be stubborn. And then we're back to another um, transition with the most ridiculous scene in the whole movie. There had to be, well, let me just talk about it first. So we're now in a sex ed class that Louise, the lead in the movie, isn't even in. She's not in this class. They don't pan to her at all. It's just the white rapper dude and some other kids. There is absolutely no reason for this scene, except that one can assume they just wanted to rap the many nicknames of, of male genitalia and talk about sparky the sperm and edna the egg so i even rewind rewound, rewind i even backed up we're backing up and i watched it a couple times thinking i might have missed something there has to have been a scene that we're missing where this was connected and then they're like but you know what teens would like to come up with every nickname for male genitalia that you know Let's just keep this in. This is a good time. Let's just keep this in. I mean, they're rapping about it. Everybody loves a good rap. So then we're out of sex ed class. It was a short scene, but things are looking up for Louise a bit. Brad helps her get a Coke out of a Coke machine. It was like legit Coke too. That made me very excited. No Pepsi here. And then the teacher gives Louise a random necklace found in the costume closet. Before Randa, Brad's popular girl, asks if she'll double with her and Brad because her cousin cousin is visiting out of town. So, you know, things are kind of looking up for Louise just a little bit. We immediately flash forward to date night, and Louise sits down with Dad to have a heart-to-heart about her mother's questionable fashion choices. Her mother has her dressed in this, um... Sweater vest and another really long skirt. She looks ridiculous. I I don't know in what world, but the mother doesn't dress like that. So that's what's very peculiar. Have I mentioned that the dad is Darren from Bewitched, the second Darren? My least favorite Darren, but that's still kind of fun. So they have this heart to heart. He shows her a picture of her mother as a teenager. The mother was really awkward too, and now the mother's really pretty, so that makes her feel better. And then there's a knock on the door. So randa's cousin is here and louise kind of immediately realizes why randa had invited her along the cousin is kind of geeky she was probably just trying to pawn her off on somebody she needed somebody and and louise was the nerdy girl so that's what that's why she got chosen but louise is over the nerdy girl look so as soon as she gets to the school she sneaks into the bathroom and does a really quick 80s makeover i'm going to be honest her her nerdy look was better her date thinks so, too. Louise ends up, um, she she likes tulle. She likes tutus. She puts on way too much makeup. Um, she's still wearing socks with high heels, which is an interesting choice. She puts her hair half up right on top of her head, almost like Pebbles style from the Flintstones. And she thought it'd be a really good idea to wear sunglasses inside. It's an interesting fashion choice. Um, So Louise ends up spending most of the night, because the nerdy cousin is just no fun, sulking at a table with her BFF Polly. Then the magical stuff starts to happen. Her 16th birthday powers are kicking in, and everything she says starts to come true. She wishes that Brad would look over at her, and he does. Could be a coincidence, probably a coincidence. Then she wishes he would come over, and he does. This is all going really well. He asks her outside and she's getting hyped. Turns out it's not magic though. Brad just needs an English tutor, which is a bit of a, a bummer. I mean that hurts a little, you know. I can I can feel her pain. Here's the thing. Brad's a good guy. He's not a, a typical jock that you find in most 80s movies. He's no Jake Ryan, definitely not ideal. Jake had his issues, I fully acknowledge that. When we get to the John Hughes season, we can talk all about The Ways. Sixteen Candles is a horrible movie, but I can't quit it. But overall, Brad is a pretty stand-up dude. Randa comes and whisks him away, though, and poor Louise is left with the dweeby cousin who is one touch away from assault charges. He's really handsy, doesn't understand hashtag me too, he's just, he's going for it. No means no, man. No means no. So Louise while in the car with him, wishes he would leave her alone, and then he he just disappears, like vanishes from the car. Oh my goodness, I love this movie so much. We then get a short clip of Louise awkwardly riding her, her bike, so she manages to get the car to her house. She now has to drive. She's not a driver, apparently. She, I don't know if she's ever driven. She immediately hops on her bike, and she starts to ride her bike still in her 80s, Party get up in high heels to find Serena. So she rides her bike all the way to Serena's house. Serena's not home. So then you see her riding all the way back to her own house where she finds her really creepy brother making a three foot pizza in the kitchen. Somehow he managed to get pizza sauce all over the walls and cabinets. Of all of the stupid things in this movie, Richie has a real life, as a real life human, is really the hardest to wrap my head around. I can get behind the magic. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense at times, but I can get behind it. But Richie, as a human being, I just can't get there. So they have a bit of a spat. They argue a lot. And that ends up with them both saying, I am rubber, you're glue. They say it several times to one another. I have never used that with my brothers. I don't think, before Louise accidentally turns him into a dog, a very cute dog, which is such an improvement. I mean, sadly, it doesn't last long. At one point, he he starts to smell. She needs to clean him up. So she's going to take him upstairs to a bath, a bath that is already full, bubble bath that's full. She puts the, the dog in the bathtub and the dog becomes a human again, that awful human. The next day, Louise finally finds Serena and gives and Serena gives her a book of spells let's go back to the fact that there there is no one like in, in Teen Wolf you have Michael J. Fox that becomes a wolf and then dad is knocking on the door and says you know surprise son and he's a, a werewolf as well and it they make you believe that there's some lineage going on here that you know at one point Serena shows um Louise some pictures from an old book and it's like, see, that's you like a 100 years ago or 400 years ago, however long it was. But there's nobody else in her family that acknowledges this. So maybe it just skips a lot of generations. I don't know. Now, what would you do if you were 16 and discovered that you have magical powers? Well, obvious, you'd want to get back to the popular girls. So that's where Louise starts. Louise starts with the truth spell that sets the girls off in a tizzy. They They can't lie, so then they start to argue. Randa ends up in a pool. Also, I should mention that this whole time, Serena is taking full advantage of Louise's powers. Um, So she helps her make money. She helps her turn a frog into a a boy um, who just rivets at her. So Serena is living the good life, is really happy that a, a witch has come into her life that can make all her dreams come true so after setting the popular girls into a tizzy she has her heart set on brad um she's like can i make him fall in love with me and serena's like you know what that's not a really good idea but but louise is going to try it so she tries a seduction spell during one of their english study sessions but then she chickens out which is relieving because love spells are icky they're icky um unless uh, in harry potter when you think of ron weasley who had the love spell but um, i mean it almost killed him but he was he was quite hilarious when he was in love just sitting and swooning and staring off into the distance thinking about the one he loved so that was kind of fun but the next day in study hall brad being the nice guy that he is apologizes to louise for letting randa's creepy cousin drive her home from the dance Seems like some time has passed, though, because they had their study sesh. Um, they're also awkwardly doodling on a notebook, sharing the same desk, turned towards one another. And this is supposed to be study hall. I It just seems... It was a weird setup. Well, Mr. Weaver, the horrible English teacher, he seems to have also drawn the short straw and is on study hall duty. Well, he gets upset that they're chatting, and while attempting to get their attention, he knocks Louise's purse to the floor and starts going through her things, including finding and commenting to the entire class about her birth control pills. Dude should be fired. That's why Louise decides that night to make a voodoo doll that looks like the horrible teacher so the next day she gets back at him by the end of the period so she's got the voodoo doll she starts to um take off the clothes on the doll and so this teacher's standing up in a really kind of cool class maybe reminded me a little bit of um ferris bueller but the man starts to take off all of his clothes thankfully i mean he's got his coat off his tie off His um, button-down shirt, he's even taken off his pants. Thankfully, the principal walks in before the boxer shorts come off. And so then he actually gets carted off because they think he's crazy, which they should have fired him long before that. So, you know, it's their own problem. After all of the magical things going on, Louise finally finds some time to hang with Polly. As they are riding their bikes chatting, Polly confesses that she has a crush on Rhett, rhett who is the school's white rapper extraordinaire as luck would have it they ride up on rhett and their posse having a jam session in the middle of the street a little magical whatever has polly confidently rapping back at rhett catching his eye and that is the scene most beloved in the entire movie one because it's so bad two because the mouths and the words aren't totally in sync when that happens it's just fantastic but next up on Louise's list is popularity. Okay, so she's not going to do the love spell. What's another way to find her way into Brad's heart to become popular? Not nearly as skeevy as the potential love potion, especially when you want the boy to like you for who you are. But if you can become popular, you're sure to win his heart, which just, just does not work with the idea of being who you are. But alas, this is a teen movie. Popularity is almost always the end of the game for someone. The next several minutes is Louise basking in the glow of a magical makeover based on her muse, pop star Shauna. She goes to a concert, uses her magic to get backstage with Polly, um, then uses more magic to have Shauna give her a a denim jacket, and then she uses the denim jacket in another spell saying, hey, I want her style, so... Her frizzy hair is now perfectly curly and bouncy. She's wearing clothes that a teen in this century might wear. Ugh, they're not great, but they're better. And she adds a strut to her walk, you know, which definitely grabs the attention of the boys. She's got some movement in her hips. Her shoulders are back. She's just, she's confident. The new look is so good. She gets a standing ovation as she walks into English class. Now, I don't know about you, but if I walked into a school class and everybody stood up and started clapping for me, I would probably turn around and leave because that seems suspicious. But Brad is taking notice, so this is good. After a leaning up against the side of the car move, just like Jake Ryan, Jake does it better, Brad takes Louise for a ride to, um, you know, an An abandoned house which is weird and then play strip hide and seek with her okay so they keep the vast majority of their clothes on but they do circle each other uncomfortably around the room just staring at one another before making out there's a there's a lot of tongue there's a lot of french kissing almost as intense as tom cruise and kelly mcgillis and top gun it's it's unpleasant The afternoon with Brad sends Louise into an existential crisis, though. When Brad was kissing her, was he really kissing her? Or was it just the popularity spell? She also starts to realize that this new attention is putting a wedge between her and Polly and continues to grow as Louise, the understudy in the play, has to go on because Kiki, yeah, her name was Kiki, the popular girl who had actually gotten the role, literally falls and breaks her leg as she walks on the stage. Polly is just exasperated that everything Louise wants is coming true. She even huffs, Geez, Louise, <laughs> which I'm convinced is the only reason Louise was chosen for our lead's name, that they just, they went in one moment where they could utter that phrase. Louise has another heart to heart with her dad about being noticed, and he gives her a pretty, pretty good line It doesn't really matter how people see you, it matters how you see yourself. Not bad, Darren, not bad. Richie then gets even weirder by delivering Louise her breakfast in bed dressed up as a bellhop, where he had this suit just laying around. I don't know. You know, I've stopped asking questions about Richie. What is the point of Richie? I think I would have preferred if Louise was an only child the sibling relationship goes absolutely nowhere it turns out though that popularity isn't all it's cracked up to be it has actually gotten very out of hand the other students like to camp out on louise's front yard chanting her name instead of calling the cops she decides to sneak out the back door at the exact moment brad has a feeling she might do that and they go for another ride together I kind of wonder if maybe Brad was stalking her. He said, okay, you know, she might come out this back door. I'm just going to sit here. And then I'll pretend to drive up as soon as I see her so it looks like it's spontaneous. I don't know. This time, though, he takes her for a rowboat ride, as one does. They have a nice conversation about being liked, and then he asks her to another school dance. They have a lot of dances. She wants so badly to say yes, but finally realizes that she can't lie to him or anyone else for that matter any longer. So she's determined to break the popularity spell, to give up her luck, to go back to being normal and just roll the dice as to whether or not she'll keep her fashion sense and people will still like her. Serena isn't very happy about her decision. All of Louise's good fortune has rubbed off on her as well, and she doesn't want to lose her new lifestyle, but Serena is a sucker and eventually relents pretty quickly, actually. So the night of the dance, Louise swaggers in with her unexpected date, Serena. No one questions that she brings a little old lady into the school dance. She makes her way across the dance floor where several 40-year-old high school students are getting their 80s groove things on. She takes off the talisman she believes has been bringing her luck and waits to see what happens. Do you know what happens? Nothing. (laughs) There's no poof. There's no immediate return to Frumpy. Nothing. Because made over Louise is still beautiful. She looks exactly the same as nerdy Louise. One second, though, Brad is standing next to Randa. The next, he's leaning against the stage. Blazer no longer on, doing the infamous look down and slowly looking up, catching Our Lady's Eye. I don't know how he got there. It was like literally two seconds between those moments. And Louise's dream moment from the beginning of the movie plays out in real life. They approach each other in another slow motion, everyone dancing around them. They start twirling around in circles. And then they live happily ever after. The end. Huh? Oh, wasn't that brilliant? I mean, don't you just want to run and go watch it? Well, let's talk about the characters. The only character with any substantial development is Louise, which comes as no surprise because it's her movie. Everyone else is there in service of her. You don't ever really find out why Randa and Louise don't get along, except the very weak idea that Randa is popular. You don't ever understand why Richie is so weird and how he gets away with his shenanigans at home. You just get a few minutes with Polly, the best friend, which really isn't enough time to make you feel her loss of time spent with Louise as she's going through a transformation to Butterfly. It's not like they even have a sleepover montage or anything. They're really only in about three scenes together, which is interesting. And while you get a few moments with Brad, the interactions are a little awkward because there's little to no conversation happening. They go from study buddies to making out an abandoned home without, without any in between, really. But somehow, you kind of like them all. I mean, except for Richie. He was too weird for me. Maybe it's the jaw-dropping, ridiculous musical numbers. I mean, it's probably the musical numbers, but I was kind of rooting for Louise, and I didn't hate Brad. As for the plot... It's not a bad plot. I mean, the exposition does a relatively good job of giving a glimpse of Louise as awkward nobody. She's got some questionable fashion taste, or at least her mother does. She's the one buying her clothes. She rides a bike to school instead of riding in a convertible, and she's watching longingly as other people are enjoying high school. You get why popularity is on her mind. It doesn't, however, do any work to explain why she has magical powers. Again, it claims lineage to an extent, but her parents don't seem to know, unlike Teen Wolf, when it was genetic and Scott has the support of his dad. The interesting part of the movie is that there is no villain, no outside force causing strife for Louise or her family. All of the conflict is internal. The idea of wanting something and then realizing that the grass isn't greener On the other side, the rising action consists of Louise finally getting what she wants and comes to a head when the attention gets overwhelming, creepily so. The fact that her parents had nothing to say about teenagers chanting their daughter's name outside on the front lawn is completely unbelievable. And Louise loses Polly as a friend. So there's, you know, there's the the climax, the, the, the main part of the movie, which then leads to the following action where... Louise's decision is to let go of her magic and see what happens. She's still a beautiful girl. Nothing changes. Just like all makeover over movies, the girl was always beautiful to begin with. But I kind of like how Louise learns there is a difference between not wanting to be invisible and wanting to be popular. And I think that's the lesson. We all want things. We all want to be known and to be seen. We all want to feel a part of a group, whatever group that is. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at some point along the journey, we have to have a real conversation with ourselves about what we really want or even what we really need. Those things are often very different. And if we happen to inherit magical powers, we need to make sure that we're making really good life choices. As for character recasting, anyone, anyone other than The guy who they chose to play, Richie. I think Seth Green would have been a really good choice. He has red hair, um, so he would have made a good sibling match for Louise. And he was a sibling often in 80s movies, and it went okay. They should have gotten him. Does this, or did this need a sequel? This most definitely didn't need a sequel. As much as I love it, I know that that's true. And thank goodness it didn't get one. I wouldn't be completely opposed to a remake, which has been teased for years, though. That could be kind of fun rewatchability, if you don't mind really cheesy 80s movies, then heck yes, this is rewatchable. So what do you think of Teen Witch? Have you seen it? Do you think it's worthy of a rewatch? Do you love it as much as I do? that's but well, that's it for today thank you so much for listening really it is so appreciated if you haven't already i hope you subscribe so that we can keep going on this journey together and if you've got the time it would be awesome if you can rate and review the podcast as always you can find me on instagram and twitter as at gnome girl m and on facebook as a bit of fun with emily go have yourself a bit of fun today and i will